Welcome to Jersey Guy Sports, your sports talk home for the Yanks, Giants, Rangers, and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, and I'm your host, Don. Thanks for tuning in. Today, I'm going to be discussing the Rangers losing an epic Game 1 in triple overtime to the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the Yankees just keep on winning. So let's go ahead and get started. I'm going to start with the Rangers Game 1 playoff against the Pittsburgh Penguins at Madison Square Garden Tuesday night. And i got to be honest with you guys, this is a tough podcast to record, and that was a tough pill to swallow. Uh, The Rangers lost 4-3 in triple overtime in the opening game of their series against the Pittsburgh Penguins Tuesday night at Madison Square Garden in what was just an epic game that had everything in it. It's been, as we talked before... Five years since the Rangers were legitimately in the playoffs, and I don't count the COVID year. So Tuesday night was a really, really exciting night to be a Ranger fan. And as I had stated on previous podcasts a few times, it was critical in my mind that the Rangers win game one for a lot of reasons, for their confidence, for lots of other reasons. And unfortunately, it did not happen. This was as crushing a game one loss as I can possibly imagine for Ranger fans. A few things from it. Igor Shosturkin made 79 saves in the game, and it wasn't enough. Without even giving you any other stats or commentary, that alone should tell you the kind of epic crushing loss this was. He made almost 80 saves, and the Rangers still lost the game. The game opened in a really excellent fashion. It was typical playoff hockey. It was fast-paced. There were booming hits all over the ice, led by Ryan Reeves. He was basically plastering everybody through the boards every time he saw someone. It was loud. It was exciting. It was playoff hockey at the Garden. It was something I haven't seen in quite a long time. The Rangers had a huge edge in play for the first period completely, but only had a one nothing lead at the end of the first period. They really dominated that first period. Adam Fox and the Rangers' power play struck first. The Rangers actually had a power play in the first period, and I note that because I'll get into it later. And the Rangers scored on their only power play, and it was huge that that happened because it's important for the Rangers to have a deterrent against Pittsburgh taking penalties. And the Rangers had one power play, and the Rangers scored one power play goal. So that was great. They were up one nothing early. Uh, Cop actually made it 2-0 early in the second period off a great pass from behind the net from Strom. But everything at that point turned. The whole game turned in the second period, and it was utterly and completely dominated by the Pittsburgh Penguins. They quickly scored, the Penguins did, two goals while just blistering the Rangers. It was ridiculous, just unbelievable nuts in the second period. So when... The game was tied 2-2, and the Rangers took a penalty. They were really, really floundering at that point. Rangers were shorthanded, and Mika rushed up the ice and made a beautiful feat to Chris Kreider, who deep the goalie and scored a shorthanded goal. And and that, at the moment, felt like ah, the moment the Rangers righted themselves. It was huge. The crowd was going nuts. It was just an incredible moment. The Rangers had taken a 3-2 lead with a shorthanded goal, And it finally seemed like the equilibrium was, you know, (laughs) kind of back where it needed to be. But, but, all the momentum, all the momentum from that awesome goal was short-lived because friggin' Nemeth 
took another penalty. It was his second awful penalty of the game. And this one was at a terrible time. Again, the Rangers were getting killed that period. And they just scored a goal to take the lead and turned it around. And that penalty, like a minute later, took all the air out of the building. On top of that, Truba took a penalty and put the Rangers down 5-3, to 5-on-3. Three, three, and the Rangers then gave up a 5-on-3 shorthanded goal that tied the game at 3. Friggin' Nemeth should not be playing. I am sorry. I cannot take him. I've been saying it all year. I don't want him on the ice. He took two terrible penalties in the first 30 minutes of the game, of a playoff game. You can't do that. This one just utterly took popped the balloon, took all the air out of the building because we just had that beautiful shorthanded goal, and that was it. The Rangers in that second period, by the way, ended up giving up 25 shots, 25 friggin' shots in the second period. 25! Who does that? Insane! Anyway, they headed into the third period, and the game was tied 3-3. The third period ended up being a little more reserved, and both teams were kind of playing tighter. And then just these friggin' refs. I don't even know where to say, what to say about these refs, these games. Between a bunch of icings that they missed, and then this thing which I'm going to describe, the Rangers appeared to score the go-ahead goal with about three minutes left in regulation, but the goal was taken away when the official review ruled that Kako interfered with the goalie and the goal was taken off the board. However, it was an utter horseshit call. Kako kind of took a pass, drove laterally across the top of the goal crease, and the defenseman coming in from behind him pushed him into the goalie. He was clearly pushed by the defenseman into the goalie, and they had a collision, and then the puck went somewhere, and and Hedl scored. It was a terrible, terrible call. It was so obvious that he was pushed into the net. I don't understand. It was frustrating as hell to know the Rangers were robbed because they would have won the friggin' game of regulations at that point. But they didn't. It went into overtime. And then, you know, in the first overtime, each team had several chances. Strom missed again what might have been the winning goal. What is with Strom and open nets and missing? He basically whiffed on the puck at this time. Um <clears throat> He was at the left post and just, I don't know what to say about Strom. It was a gritty, anxious overtime, but it was also pretty exciting. Uh, Igor already had 53 saves at the end of the first overtime. The second overtime, everyone already was starting to look completely exhausted on both teams. And there were just glorious scoring chances on both sides because people were so tired. Midway through the second overtime, we have another horseshit refereeing item to discuss. The Penguins goalie was replaced midway through the second overtime. Now, the insane part about this was when it happens exactly. The Rangers had control of the puck, crossed into the Penguin zone, had the puck in the Penguin zone when the refs blew the whistle. After the whistle, the goalie skates off the ice, and they replace the goalie. Now, in what world does the ref blow the whistle when the opposing team has the puck, and not only that, they have it in the scoring opportunity in the Pittsburgh defensive zone. I'm sorry. If somebody is hurt, you do not blow the whistle. And and he didn't look hurt, by the way. He was just standing there normally, 
yapping at the ref. He wasn't keeled over on his side, exposed in a bad position where it's some kind of health issue and you didn't want to take a slap shot to the head or something. He was standing up, yapping, and he skated off looking normal. I don't know what the hell his injury was, but it wasn't like he was dying on the ice with a broken leg or a concussion or something. He was standing up, yapping at the ref. So there was no danger to anyone. No one was on the ice. The ref blows the whistle, stops the play, they take five minutes, change out goalies, and continue. And I'm thinking, what kind of horse shit just happened? And not a single commentator mentioned it. They didn't mention it in the studio. They didn't mention it, the announcers. I don't understand. At what point and why do can, can the ref just blow the whistle when someone yells at him that, hey, I want to, you know, I'm not feeling good. I'm hurt. That doesn't happen. You ha- That happens when your own team regains possession of the puck. That is what happens. You do not stop play because what could happen in the future, if the refs did this, was anytime someone comes in a scoring chance, someone could just drop to the ice, say, oh, 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 and the refs would be forced to stop the play. It doesn't happen because you have to have possession of the puck. I'm sorry. This was another disaster from the refs. The refs were awful all night. All night. I'm just, I don't know what to say about this. They were so bad that the crowd cheered sarcastically every time the, you know, refs correctly called an icing on the pens. In the third overtime, it, it all ended. Malkin deflected a wrist shot for the game winner for the Pens. It was a deflection past sort of a screened Shesterkin. It was a winner for the Pens. It was a hope crusher for the Rangers. And it was a dagger. I don't know what to say. And, and Pittsburgh won 4-3 to three in triple friggin' overtime. And you have to question now what the Rangers' confidence will be like the rest of the series. I had said this on prior podcasts, and I'm going to say it again now. Game one was an absolutely critical game for the Rangers to win for their confidence. Now, while this was an epic game, and it's not like they were thoroughly outplayed or embarrassed or anything, in the end, they lost. And I am not nearly as confident anymore that the Rangers will now win this series as I was prior to this game because of how critical winning game one was to their psyche. Um, and I said this previously, it's not because of the math. It's not because the, you know, they can't win three, you know, four of the next six games. They definitely can, but it's because what could be a lack of confidence, you know, and certainly what could be injuries, who knows? And Ryan Lindgren, uh, left the game two or three times during this epic affair. I, he, at the end of the game, he was not playing. So who knows what his status is going to be? Uh, it's just, it's so hard to talk about this game. It was one of the more crushing losses for any sport I can ever remember. This was a dramatic game that the Rangers ended up on the wrong end of. Other quick odds and ends, and then I'll talk about the Yanks for a minute and end this podcast. The Rangers had one, one entire friggin' power play in six periods. Seriously, seriously. Are we saying that Pittsburgh did not do anything wrong for two full games, except for one time midway through the first period? That is it. The last five periods of play, zero power plays. The refs sucked in every way in this game. They took away a Ranger goal that should have won it with two minutes in regulation. They let them just replace their goalies when the Rangers were coming in for a scoring chance. Oh, let's stop everything and let them change their goalie. They continued to miss icings. They they did not call anything at all. Uh, while in general, I like letting the teams play, there is no friggin' way that Pittsburgh gets four power plays. The Rangers get one in a game like this because it wasn't that way. The game was even enough 
that you cannot have a four power plays to one advantage. And while the Rangers special teams played well, they stopped all the power plays except for the one five on three. And they did score on their only power play opportunity, the Rangers did, which is important and outstanding. They should have been afforded additional power play opportunities. So that sucks. Face-offs. I said prior to this series, as my first key to this series, that the Rangers had to find a way to be better on face-offs. And they were about as awful as you could possibly be on face-offs. Now, it took, you know, the commentator on MSG about six periods to realize, huh, the Rangers are really having trouble on face-offs. And I'm thinking, dude, what are you watching all game? You know, and and I guess they, they don't make a distinction. They can't understand the difference between center ice face-offs and offensive and defensive zone face-offs because they are not the same and they are way, way different. And at one point they pointed out in the game, hey, face-offs are even. But that takes into account center zone face-offs, which don't matter one bit and teams don't even try on as much. What is critical is when you're taking an a a face-off in the offensive zone or in the defensive zone, as we talked about previously. Winning a offensive zone face-off could lead to a scoring chance or a goal. Losing a defensive zone face-off might result in a goal for the other team or you being pinned in your zone for, for two minutes or something. They are way more important, and I can't even tell you how bad the Rangers were on those. They were awful, just terrible. They couldn't win, and finally, in the sixth period, the third overtime, you have the Ranger commentator, oh, yeah, so as we see here, they, they, they've lost several zone, you know, defensive zone face-offs and offensive zone face-offs in the last five minutes. And I'm thinking in the last six periods, it feels like sometimes they're not paying attention. Anyway, they have to find, they have to find a way to do it. Their face-offs, it was like watching a ticking time bomb for the Rangers. At some point, that's what's going to happen. You lose a face-off. And you get chance after chance after chance, and the other team gets 83 shots on goal. And Shisterkin is forced to make 79 saves, and it's not enough, you know? Even though the announcers finally caught on, I think it's something that has to be highlighted, and, and the Rangers have to do something to address it. Game two is Thursday night at Madison Square Garden. We have to hope that they can shake off this epic loss and bounce back. I'm going to talk about the Yanks for a minute. Uh, it's hard to even think about it, talk about other sports after that ridiculous epic loss by the Rangers last night. But at the same time, the Yankees were up in Toronto playing the Toronto Blue Jays and doing what they've been doing for the last two weeks, which is winning the game. It, it's incredible. The Yankees are on an epic winning streak at this point. They've won 11 consecutive games now and continue to play well. And it was Jameson Tyone getting the win and pitching well again last night. I don't know if he actually got the win, but he pitched well. Um, it was half focus on them and way more focus on the Rangers last night. But the Yanks continue to find ways to score runs and to hit. The game was tied late, and they busted out with the help of a little bit of bad defense on uh, Toronto's part. Maybe some bad umpiring on one inning. It was kind of funny. Um and the Yanks won. At one point, it was 9-1. to one. That might have been the final. I forget. But um, they busted out. Judge had another homer, maybe two. Honestly, I, I'm sorry for the incomplete information here, but uh, my mind is still spinning. But the Yanks broke out late and really put some hits together and broke the game open. And the Yankees, one way or another way, are finding ways to win. And it is a pretty special time for the Yanks. It is early in the season 
And listen to these words. At this point, it doesn't matter, right? And that's a silly thing to say because it's great to watch them. It matters if you're a Yankee fan to be able to sit down and have confidence and watch them and see them have fun and play little ball a little bit, which is great. They're stealing bases. They're playing fairly good defense, although I think that's being overplayed by Michael Kay. You know, if, if we go three games without making, you know, 10 errors, all of a sudden we're playing great defense. And I know statistics, blah, blah, blah. But you watch them on the field, you know, we're, we're playing pretty good defense. Anytime Torres is on the field, we're playing bad defense. Um, Hicks does not play good defense. He's lazy ass effort going after a base hit. I flipped the game one time onto the Yanks. I saw, um, I think it was Guerrero hit, hit a single up the middle and Hicks lolly dolly dolly. He's taking his sweet friggin' time going to his right, going to get the ball. And, and so he just goes right into second base and Hicks doesn't make any effort until the last possible second to kind of speed up and throw it to second and, He's safe at second base. So he turned a single into double because of Hicks' lazy friggin' ass play in center field. And I am sorry. I will challenge anyone who says Hicks is still a good defensive center fielder because he misplays fly balls. He's lazy. I can't take him. I know he's hitting well now, but he is the kind of player the Yankees need to get away from. You know who the Yankees need more of? Isaiah Conner-Falafa, who hustles everywhere, beats out grounders to the infield, actually plays good defense, makes contact, goes the other way, and doesn't look for walks. That's who I want, not Hicks. And, you know, it was great that they sat DJ, too, because, yeah, why do we need that kind of player playing in the game? So we'll play Hicks, but we'll we'll sit DJ. Don't get me started. It doesn't matter. The Yanks are winning. All good thoughts, happy thoughts, right? Um, Glaber Torres is starting to hit, as I mentioned. Um, he had another hit, I think, last night. But, you know, the thing with Glaber is he doesn't have a position, right? I mean, even if he ends up being a good hitter this year, and again, guys, it's early May. Let's not raise any flags at this point, right? He doesn't have a position. This rotating lineup, rotating defense is not sustainable. I'm very happy in early May, the Yanks are rolling. People are probably, you know, going to plant flags and, and raise banners for, for Boone because, oh, my God, the Yanks are doing so good. So it must be his fault, even though they're winning in spite of him. Um, with this happy horseshit rotating lineup, rotating defense, it is not sustainable. They will not win any championships with this kind of ridiculous rotational horseshit that's going on now. Um it's a long-term problem for the Yanks. He has no position. But, you know, at least he's starting to hit and help the team. So what can you say? Um, the pitching is great. What, what else can you say? The, the starting pitching especially is spectacular. The relievers, for the most part, are doing really, really well. Um, it's great. You won the first two in Toronto, and the Yanks are uh, going to look to sweep the series on Wednesday night in Toronto. So go Yanks, and excellent job, and let's keep it rolling, Yanks. Let's have something good to look forward to this summer. I want to thank you for listening to Jersey Guy Sports. Please subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends all about it, and I'll be back soon with some more sports talk. Thanks, and have a good day.